Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. invite you to hear these words from the Gospel of Luke, beginning with verse 5. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of God for the people of God. When I was thinking about generous praying... I had to ask myself, what does generous praying look like? And I immediately thought of a dear friend who she passed away less than a year ago, Sherry Cooper. Sherry was a true intercessor. She was what many of us would call a prayer warrior. She prayed continually. She had the same prayer partner for 30 years, and they met once a week to pray together. I never met her prayer partner, Beverly, but I knew of her because sometimes I would receive a card from Beverly, and she would know things that I hadn't even told Sherry. They prayed for hours, and I'm talking like four hours together. When they went, and she lived in Tuttle, and Sherry lived in Shawnee, and they would drive back and forth at least once a week. And then when they couldn't get together in person, they would get on the phone and they would pray for four or more hours until they thought they had prayed everything that needed to be prayed and that God was asking them to pray. We knew when we seen Sherry on Sunday morning sitting in a pew that we could run up to her and say, Sherry, 
I need you. Can you pray for me? And right there in the pew before church, after church, she would pray. Her husband, Kent, made some prayer boxes, and they decided to, uh, they, they asked people, the way we put our prayers on the little piece of paper and put it in the offertory. Well, her husband made some prayer boxes at the back of, by the doors, and when they people would leave, if they had met, had a prayer request, they could put it in that box. And then Sherry and another lady would take those prayers immediately after church and go directly to the chapel and pray for those prayer requests. Your prayer team is doing it on Wednesday morning. But the prayer requests that you fill out, we do pray for. She, Sherry was so filled with the Spirit that God would just give someone, would bring someone to her mind or a situation, and she would stop and she would pray. Over 20 years ago, she started two prayer teams at Wesley United Methodist Church in Shawnee. One was Fridays at noon and one was Monday nights. The one Monday night is still very active, 20-some years. Pastors throughout those 20 years have said they've seen things change in the church because of that prayer team and because of the, pray, the faithful prayers. And then we can always think, about Jesus Christ and his prayer life. His disciples watched him pray many times, and they could just see a difference in him when he prayed. They even asked him to teach them how to pray. Jesus was persistent in his prayer life. He would arise very early in the morning while it was still dark, and for hours he would pray alone. Sometimes he'd go up onto the mountaintop, and he would pray there through the night. I had to ask myself, when was, it, when was the last time I stayed up all night praying? Jesus prayed at his baptism. He prayed during his temptation before he selected his apostles. He prayed on the Mount of Transfiguration. And then I think of the feeding of the 5,000. This little boy had three barley loaves and two fishes. And Jesus prayed over those. And he fed over 5,000 people with three barley loaves and two fishes. Impossible, we would say, but not for Jesus. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he even prayed on the cross. In John 17, Jesus prayed for all of those, for his disciples, and he prayed for all of those who would become believers because of the word that they heard. And then he prayed for the future believers. He prayed for you and I before we were ever born. 
and our gospel in the gospel of Luke we are given this little parable and, and it comes after Jesus had taught the disciples how to pray and he said to them suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight there are three people in our story we have the hungry traveler who is a friend of the host the second per person in our story is the host he's the one that the hungry traveler came to and then our third person in the story is the friend of the host who was awakened at midnight Now, the story does not tell us that the hungry traveler asked for food. But in biblical days, hospitality was very important. If someone came to your house, you were expected to offer them something to eat and even a place to sleep for that night. But in this situation, the host had nothing to give. His pantry was empty. Now, bread was the people's staple at that time, and I wondered about this because I thought they should have had some, at least a loaf of bread. But the host didn't. It was out of his own poverty his inability to provide that sends him to a friend's house at midnight asking, even begging, for something to feed his friend. I imagine that if I was that host, I might think to myself, what can I do? I have nothing to give. Do you feel this way sometimes? You feel empty? You have nothing to give. Somebody wants something from you, but you're, you yourself are just barely hanging on by a thread. It's like you're holding on to the last knot of the rope and you, you're trying to keep from slipping. And you're crying out, Lord, help me. I'm empty. How do I help someone else when I can't even help myself? It is this sense of helplessness that is the very strength of our intercession. When one comes to the point of helplessness, we can truly say that I have nothing to set before God. This is when our intercession possesses a deep quality most often known as supplication. Supplication is humbly or earnestly asking God to provide, allowing the Holy Spirit to pray for us. Uh, the Spirit prays for us in our weakness. The Spirit has words for us that we cannot even think of in our helplessness. 
And it is in our helplessness that intercession becomes powerful. Because we have faith in God to do what we cannot do. We don't have it all together, but God does. The host was unable to provide for his friend, this traveler, and his first step is to, be, is to go and ask. In fact, I would call it begging. And that brings us to the other friend, the one who is awakened at midnight, the third person in the story. Now, he does not seem very happy to have someone banging on his door at midnight. I don't think most of us would be very happy. The kids are down for the night. They are asleep. He's down, and, you know, he's enjoying that soft mat. Now, if you're not aware of this, but in Jerusalem or in places over the, in, around Israel and all of that, the houses were one-room one houses. Okay, think about that for a minute. They didn't have bedrooms the way we do. They had one-room houses. So that means when it was time for bed, they would take a mat, they would lay it down, and that is where they would sleep. All of you would be in the same room, whether it was two, three, four, or ten of you. Somebody knocking on the door at midnight would certainly wake up some sleeping children. Does it take courage or boldness to go to someone's house at midnight asking for food? You know, if we're honest, I'd have to admit for myself that yes. I think I would probably say, don't you think you can wait till tomorrow morning to get some food? I'll be sure and cook you a really good breakfast if you'll just wait till in the morning. But this host had a heart of hospitality. He wanted to provide. He knew that his friend was probably hungry from traveling. Now notice in the verses 5 and 6 that we see the word friend three times. Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house. Friend. What they had in common with the host was friendship. They had a relationship with each other. As a believer, we too have a relationship with Father God. As I told the children, we can go to God any time of the day or night. We can go to him for anything. Nothing's too big and nothing is too little for God. He wants to hear all of it. He is our friend. And the better we know him the easier it is to go to him. Jesus is our great high priest, and he is approachable at any time. 
There are some essential principles of intercessory prayer. Now, they are by far not the only ones, but they are some that I came across, and the first one is a posture of dependence. Admitting that we are nothing without God. The first beatitude says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit. We have nothing that we can give God. Everything we have is from God. So we are to go to God when we are poor in spirit. We've, we've laid everything before him. I can do nothing for God in that sense. He does it all for me. And then we have an urgent need. The very strength of our intercession is our sense of helplessness. When we are helpless, we find strength in God. When we are helpless, we are more willing to kneel at the feet of Jesus. And we are to pray that we will be sensitive to the urgent needs around us. What are the needs of the person sitting to your left or to your right or in front of you or behind you? And we need a willing love for others. I think of this kind of as that agape love, that unselfish love, a love that expects nothing in return. And then there's persistence. Probably one of the things we have trouble with, and maybe not. And that means we don't just pray one time and give up. Some of the prayer requests that the prayer team have received has been on our prayer list since the first Wednesday that we met. We haven't dropped them off just because we prayed for them once. We will continue to pray as long as the need is there for that person, no matter how long our list becomes. And I think probably one of the most important things is the authority to use the name of Jesus. This may be a lost practice in many ways. And I'm not saying, and this is not wrong, by ending your prayers with, in, in the name of Jesus, I pray. That's not wrong, okay? But the authority to use his name signifies authority and even the command of authority. Christ is in command of all things. He is far above our rule and authority and power and dominion. And when he ascended, right before he ascended, he told us that he was giving the disciples the authority to use his name. If you look at the Mark 11, 23, 24 scripture, we are told that truly I tell you, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and you do not doubt in your heart, but believe what you say will come to pass, it will be done for you. 
So I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You see, what Jesus is telling his disciples is you are to tell the mountain to move. In my name, in the authority of Jesus' name, we can lay hands, we can pray over someone, and we can say in the name of Jesus, let this be removed from them. That is the power that we have in his name. Our host, as I said, is a person of hospitality. There was that visitor who felt very comfortable going to him at, at, in the middle of the night after traveling. The host put his guest's needs above his own need of rest and comfort. The one who prays is asking for bread but not for his own sake, but for his friends. And again, we may not always receive immediate response from God in our asking, but that is why persistence is so important. The host did not ask just once. He, just, he kept asking and kept knocking until the friend gave him what he had asked for. We need to have confidence in God to go to him. We may believe in God, but do we believe God? Do we believe what he says, that he will do what he tells us he will do? And our final verses about ask, seek, and knock. It brings out three senses that we have in this scripture. To ask is verbal. Prayer is that communication with God, speaking to God, asking in accordance to God's will. And the more time one spends with God, the more he or she will know God's will. You see, we're told that you do not have because you do not ask. And then seek is using our minds. Seek God's face. God desires for his children to seek him. Seeking God should become one's priority. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then we are to knock. And knock is the physical part. It is taking action. An action that a desire produces. We are to keep praying persistently and have faith in God's provision. And if you'll notice in our text that for each command 
there is also a promise. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and ye shall find. And knock, and the door shall be opened. Those are the promises that God gives to us. Prayer is the realization that we exist in a state of total dependence on God. It is conscious communication with God and sharing our needs with him. It ends with a very descriptive picture. How many parents would give a child a snake if they asked for a fish? How many parents would give a child a scorpion when they asked for an egg? And then he tells us that even evil parents give good gifts. I think what we do for our children, I think about my grandchildren and what I do for them, and I, I think, you know, oh, I want to give such wonderful gifts. I want them to be happy and so joyful when they open them. How long? <laughs> Till they go to the next gift. But isn't that what we want to do as parents? We want to give the best that we can give. But you know what we give our children or grandchildren is minor compared to what God gives to us. In our verse 13, he says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God's good gifts, God's gift to us is the Holy Spirit. And we need that Holy Spirit. That is a gift that is so unmeasurable. It is so in, unimaginable. But it's a spirit that dwells in all believers. We all need prayers. There's not a one of us that doesn't need prayers. They're all different. So just quickly a little bit about what this means to, we, to Mustang United Methodist Church. Your prayer team, we meet weekly, and we pray for your request. We pray for the church. We pray for you. The prayers that are in the prayer wall, we pray for. We have no idea what they are because we don't open them, but God knows, and we pray for them. We pray for our staff. We pray for the community. Can we be a better praying church? In staff meeting, we all suggest we can. We can be, we may be a good praying church, but we all have room for improvement. I'm always reminded that Jesus Christ is our great intercessor. When he was on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them. He prayed for you and I then for, up on the cross. And today he sits at the right hand of his Father, God Almighty, and he sits on that throne and he is our intercessor. He prays for you and I today and will continue to pray 
throughout the ages until he comes again. He is the greatest intercessor, and we can learn from him. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.